Heyo, welcome everyone to episode 49 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and we're back after taking a week off. Just took a week off, um, had some cancellations, and we got everything moved forward. So we will be back every week from here on out, and we are coming up on our one year too, which super excited about that. But this week, we're going to be talking to Jordan, who's the owner of Danger Zone Arcade. Uh, Jordan has been a huge supporter of the indie scene. I think he owns just about every indie game, and the ones that he doesn't have are coming soon. Uh, we spoke with him on episode 22, and I just want to welcome Jordan back. Uh, how are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing outstanding. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I do really appreciate you coming back on here. And um, I'm glad you reached out to me and let me know about uh, the new game you've got coming, which should have them on the show pretty soon here. Um, they've been working through stuff for, I mean, like you said, we both spoke about this beforehand, but Adam's been working for six months now to get everything figured out. And it's getting pretty close to being finalized. So um, I just want you to reintroduce yourself, Jordan, kind of let everybody know um, who you are, what you do. Um, it's been a long time since you've been on here. So feel free to just kind of give us a background on you. Yeah, sure. So obviously owner and proprietor of Danger Zone Arcade out in uh, Gilbert, Arizona. Um, this has been just a enthusiast-driven hobby for me. Um, as far as like my career goes, on the I'm a officer in the Army Reserves, and then I do uh, cybersecurity for a large bank uh, here in Arizona. So when I uh, this as a business is just purely for the, the love of the hobby. So I, and I'm just, uh, I guess you could say, just an enthusiast with uh, that decided, I'm gonna open my own barcade. <laughs> and then subsequently the money pit began. So it's been a very, very fun journey, but uh, yeah. Awesome, yeah, I mean, I know you reached out to us quite early in the Danger Zone, I guess, saga um, yeah. with, uh, to get a Galactic Battleground, I know you had, uh, what was it, Killer Queen, Galactic Battleground, and Death Ball were like your first Cosmotron. three. Cosmotrons, that's right, Cosmotrons. Yeah. Uh, Death Ball came after that. Um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, well, one, when I started this venture, as far as like I'm going to have a barcade, I knew Killer Queen would be the flagship because that was like the main, that, that was the arcade that drove me towards this. Is that I loved playing Killer Queen. And there wasn't a cabinet that was relatively close to where I lived. So I always had to drive a very, very long, uh, a long distance to actually just go play Kill the Queen. And so that was like, all right, I'm tired of doing that. I want to put Kill the Queen with my friends. And I'm tired of driving so far. So I'm going to start my own barcade. Is like, and the first thing it was like, all right, I want Kill the Queen. So once I finally got that, I did like the, I, uh, doing that hunt to get Kill the Queen made me, uh, discover the actual indie arcade community and then you know being a product of the 80s it's like wow these games i mean again again like i would say killer queen is very retro too i was like wow cosmotrons this is awesome it's like lunar lantern and asteroids had a baby but it's now battle royale version and then that was when i also discovered um after talking to uh shane at cosmotrons was that he's like hey you should check out these guys too and then one you know indie uh indie arcade you know, uh, creators such as yourself led to another. Then it was like, that's how I met Tony with Death Ball. Then um, Philip over at Griffin Aerotech for um, Sky Cursor and uh, Enter the Gungeon. So it's, so that grew. And then I was like, you know, that is, that's going to be my niche is that I'm going to have all indie arcades. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how we found it too, is we just 
we we found about Killer Queen. We didn't even plan on making Galactic Battleground on the arcade until we found out about Killer Queen. And it, it just, it all grew from there. And it seems like everybody in the hobby or people that are building games kind of found about Killer Queen first. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess just kind of give us the story. I know you briefly touched on it about like wanting to play Killer Queen. How did you first find Killer Queen? Like where was it? And what what did you really fall in love with that you really loved about Killer Queen? So my sister... Um, my older sister, she lives in Seattle and she came down to Arizona, um, to visit. And this was, I want to say maybe 2017. And, uh, anyway, she came down to visit and she, and and, as you know, in Seattle, there's a lot of arcades, you know, and, uh, uh, places to play, you know, game, uh, pinball and retro gaming and everything. And so she knew about Killer Queen from the various places like the Icebox, uh, Jupiter, up there in downtown Seattle. And so she went on a Bumble Bear, their website where they have the Killer Queen map. And so she found one at the grid, which is a, a real small kind of arcade dive bar in uh, Mesa. So that was the one I was going to. So she said, we should go play this game. Jordan, you're totally going to love it. You know, she remembered playing, you know, Atari Joust uh, with me, you know, uh, when we were kids. And so that was, so she introduced the game to me. And then once I got there and then everybody was drinking the camaraderie and obviously being a military guy. So I'm instantly all in when everyone's having a good time. And then there's strategic team-based, you know, combat essentially happening. So we could, you know, war game. And I was like, all right, you're going to, you know, you're going to be the queen. All right. You, you go for berries. I'll go military. Oh, watch that snail. You know, it's just such a very competitive, fast paced game that I was just instantly in love with it. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be kind of what everybody gets into is that competitive side, the team side. And the biggest thing with all these indies is that you're playing the game elbow to elbow with people. You, there's so many games now that we play and it's it's so, there's no, it's not personal, you know, like you're not with yeah. that person. But Killer Queen, like this community has exploded and all of these people are so cool that we've met and it's been so much fun to go to like going to tournaments is awesome. If you ever get a chance and you're a killer queen player and you can go to a tournament, go because they're super fun. Um, I guess get into the story of danger zone. So we know you fell in love with killer queen. You got a killer queen um, just to play with your friends so that you didn't have to drive an hour every single time. And then you started to find these other games and you were like, I'm going to turn this into a business. How did that go? And what was kind of your, your first location that you went to? Yeah, so my first location was the Ironwood, uh, sorry, Ironwood Pub and Grub. And again, you know, I knew it was a stepping stone going into it. All right. You know, it was like, you know, basic project management. You got to form, storm, norm and perform. So I was like, all right, I'm going to form and this is going to be some storming going on in this place because it was a dive bar. It was a cowboy bar and a, it was a biker bar. So, but they were, they had an, an open space that was essentially unoccupied and they were financially hurting. And so the proposition was, let me use this space, try to bring in new clientele, potentially expand, you know, the patronage at your location and maybe bring in some more family friendly people, uh, younger crowd and, you know, maybe the people that would spend more money and cause less problems. Um, but it was, I learned a lot of hard lessons there is that, you know, sometimes the, uh, not every business owner is a good business owner. 
you know, and, and, and there's a difference between running a bar as a legitimate business versus like running a bar because you like to get drunk with your friends. <laughs> and then also, if there are people, especially in, you know, in the bar industry, some of the locals, they literally live there and they feel more entitled to the space than potentially you are, even if you are a partner of that now establishment. Um, so there was a lot of animosity and strife and struggle between the people that want to go in the arcade room instead of cornhole tables indoors, which is ridiculous to me, um, and push out the people that would be playing our game. So there was always this tug of war and strife with people wanting to play the pinballs in the arcades versus the locals that that was their place. And us hipsters and youngsters were encroaching on where they live essentially from 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. And uh, it caused a lot of problems and ultimately scared away a lot of people that were that wanted to come and play the games. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's perfectly understandable. There's there's always that that local dive bar. And I know uh, when Kelly and I go to conventions, we always look for it. We always want to check it out because they're they're fun. You get to meet some really interesting locals. Yeah. Um, but you've told me a story and you told us the last time on on episode 22 what happened when the world shut down and this dive bar that you were in was in a pretty sketchy spot. So I want you to tell that story as to what went down there. So other places now, again, Arizona wasn't the first to shut down. Um, So, but the writing was on the wall because first it was like, okay, everybody had to do, you know, different sanitation, you know, uh, the updated sanitation standards. And then eventually it was, right, all bars are closed, but if you're a restaurant, you can stay open. So I had, there was like a three-week process for like, okay, something's going down. This isn't looking good. And I, and again, I already knew that this place was bouncing, you know, paychecks for their employees. And so the second, the bar had to close, but it can only do takeout. Um, I immediately, like two days after that, like I, I, I talked to the owners and I got a, a bunch of my friends. We immediately went in there and pulled all of our games out. Um, and also I knew that the landlords that actually owned the property, uh, the, the commercial space itself, were not too fond of that establishment and the people because they were trying to really, um, you know, they just built an LA Fitness, a Starbucks. They were really trying to spruce up that area. And that was like the last, you know, the, the last business standing of, you know, a 20-year-old, you know, dynasty from back when where I live in Santana Valley it used to just be, you know, uh, a far, farmland. They were um, lingering. They were the last ones there. Yeah, the last one. Um, so, so I came in, got all my stuff. And again, you know, we didn't end on bad terms, but it's just like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be bringing all these things, you know, to my house so I can play them, you know? Uh, and then with literally the, within the following day or two after me getting all their stuff, the landlord actually, uh, put the kid, put the chains and locked the doors. And so they were completely shut out of their business. And there was a few other people like me that had, that were, you could say amusement providers, that had a pool table, jukebox, you know, the boxing game, you know, mechanical bull. Um, All of their equipment got locked up with that and the landlords held onto it for, and had to go into litigation because they're like, no, we're taking ownership because these people owe us money. So I was like, within 24 hours, 
you know, uh, or within that time frame of almost being in that situation. So I read the writer in a while and I pulled everything out. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you got out of uh, something that could have been really dicey. And I mean, those games sitting in there that, that could really hurt the business. I mean, you potentially could have gone under if it was just sitting, you know, you, yeah. you needed to make some money from it. Um, so after that happened, um, I know you did a couple things. You'd rent them out privately and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Kind of tell us how you moved from that situation that was very unfortunate, but you were lucky enough to figure it out and be attentive enough to get out to now where you're, you're, you're back at it. You're, the yeah. momentum's coming back. Yeah. So obviously for, from basically March to, you know, um, January or January this, this year, um, I rented out my machines and mostly cause, cause you remember when I, I had only just started, we were only open for four months before the shutdown happened. So, and I had already strategically, you know, especially with all my arcades, you know, as you know, they, you know, they're not mass produced. So death balls are mass produced, same thing with sky cursor, um, or, you know, or switch and shoot. So I had them all a lot, you know, I'd already bought for a lot of these arcades and just were waiting for them to get produced. So I still had like every month, a new machine coming in. And the same thing with, you know, Stern, they put out, you know, basically a pinball every three to four months. Um, so my plan was like, all right, I'm going to keep growing the inventory because I'm not giving up on this just yet. Um, and I had already committed, you know, funding to certain games and certain people for the next six months. Um, in the meantime, I will start renting out um, um, some of the arcades and the pins. The pins went really, really well because um, I could easily get them in the back of my Forerunner. And if I planned my route good enough, um, and again, it was all my friends that I knew just from the pinball community. So it was people I did trust. Um, you know, I could make it to where I just, I spend a morning delivering pins for, you know, that are going to be out in the field for the next month and, you know, make a pretty good, you know, return on investment. Um, same thing with the car, the, the, the arcades, it'd be a longer rent because I had to get the trailer out and then Starfighters and Mason never actually closed. So then I brought a bunch of indie games like Battlestar or Galactic Battlegrounds and Cosmotron's a killer queen there that they would get used and that they could still be promoting the indie community. And then eventually, when I get my own place, all the fans that now were created while in Starfighters, they would go to my location. Um, so that was the plan during COVID. So where are you at now? Now that, from what I've seen, I've been following you on Instagram and everything, and it seems like they're all at a new location. You got everything yeah. moved over and you're starting to have events. So walk me through that process of like kind of bringing all the inventory back in, moving it to where you are now and getting to the point you are. I mean, what, a couple of days ago you, you ran a, a tournament or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I had reached out to, so there was a very popular uh, brewery and chain of restaurants and bars here in Arizona, um, uncle bears brewery. And uh, so I had reached out to them before COVID and, and again, I reached out to several breweries, you know, when I was looking for my first location. And again, Arizona, I like to say, we're a little bit behind the curve when it comes to culture and what's trendy and popular. Um, so pre-COVID, a lot of these businesses were, yeah, we're good. You know, we got people coming and drinking beer. We don't need to broke what's or fix what's not broken. 
Um, so post-COVID, as things were starting to open back up, I was like, you know, let me hit up some of these people that I had spoken to previously and see where they're at. And so I reached out to uh, the Uncle Bear's Brewery where they actually make their beer, their tap room, because again, you know, another location that has a wide open space that could potentially work as far as being in an arcade. And uh, after talking to the, the the general manager there, he was on board. He's like, yeah, absolutely. You know, we just like every other establishment haven't had people in here in almost a year. And we want to come back bigger and better than before. And if we can bring new people here, that's only going to be, you know, advantageous to them. Um, and, and also it may happen in a quicker manner. You know, obviously they want to get the bar full as possible, as quick as possible. Um, yeah, so that was, uh, and they were only 20 minutes down the road from where I live. So that's obviously very important since I'm doing all the maintenance myself. Um, but yeah, so they first, you know, I, we started off with just a few pins just to see, you know, again, like for, there's always a hesitation for space. You know, if you're in a, a restaurant or a bar, uh, a bar owner, it's profit per square foot. So you have to do that equation when, you know, how much real estate, you know, should I lend this person for this game when, a, you know, a high top table will make money because people will be sitting and drinking or a pool table um, or unfortunately cornhole. Again, I'm, it seems like no matter where I go, I always have to share a space with cornhole. Like they are my nemesis in this, uh, in this adventure, um, which is again, they take a large real estate. Um, so we started off with a few pins because, again, a lot of my arcades were still at Starfighters and some of my other pins were out, you know, still at people's houses. So we did a soft launch in uh, January, just a small corner, a few pins and a change machine just to, so they can see the new people that start showing up. Because, then you know, we updated the pin maps um, and all the different various apps. And so now a lot of the people that would normally go to, you know, do the drive to some of the other uh barcades that started opening back up they started going there so now they're getting new faces that are that they would have never come to the that brewery or tap room before and now they're hanging out like every single day so it was like a proof of concept january and it went really really well and we only had like four pinball machines and then february rolled around i was like okay cool let me bring in now six pinball machines let me bring in cosmotrons uh, Death Ball, Sky Cursor, and Battlegrounds, and we're going to use up now some more space, you know, clear out some tables, move some cornhole boards, and let me show you what this can do with the proper marketing and advertisements. And then we we doubled um, our collections, and they doubled their money too. So every month starting at January, they're seeing double revenue and patronage um, at a brewery that even even pre-COVID, um, they didn't have to have, it was never that busy. You know, they could always get away with a pretty pretty ghost staff as far as working the bar and the food truck. And then March rolled around. I was like, okay, let me dump, you know, again, we're seeing we're, the trends keep rising. And as so as we're growing the inventory, as word is spreading, I'm doing more marketing. Also, Arizona is getting vaccinated and more... Uh, it's it's over the state is opening up more so march brought the whole inventory in so then now we got killer queen 
which I have an interesting observation, which we'll talk about, but when it comes to Killer Queen and some of the arcades versus the pinball and this whole post-COVID world we're in. Um, so then March, again, it was the same thing. You know, people are now hanging out. People are now bringing their families, um, which was new, you know, new, new to them. Um, and now they're making, they're having to play catch up with, you know, staff um, because of how busy and popular uh, the, the place is now getting, which again, it's a good problem to have. Um, and they are so on board with the vision that they're now like making um, infrastructure improvements. Like, all right, we're going to add a sound system. We're going to change the lighting in the back. So they they are completely, I could not have asked for better partners um, in, in this arrangement. So it's been great. And then in April, it's like, now we're going to start tournaments. So we did our first pinball tournament in April. And, you know, basically there was 40 people hanging out and drinking for, it unfortunately went on for seven hours. I forgot to turn off extra balls. So the, ter- the tournament was a huge success, but again, it just kept growing and it's the same thing. So, you know, since January up through now, we basically beat two, two weeks by mid month, we end up beating as far as revenue goes the previous month. So, you know, again, numbers don't lie. They keep trending up. And not only is it when what I'm seeing from my perspective, which is just collections, it's the same thing that they're seeing as far as what the bar is making. So it is going in the right. It's going up and it's getting more popular. And then now in May, we're hosting. We just we're doing three tournaments and then June, we're going to start doing four tournaments. And I think that's where we'll probably cap out at because also I can't stretch myself too thin because I, I do have other jobs and obligations. Yeah, I mean that that sounds awesome that we're we're seeing it grow. And I know before everything happened and everything got shut down, the indie scene was growing. It seemed to be doing really well. We were getting more people reaching out to us, more games were coming out constantly, and it all just came to a screeching halt. So yeah. it's really good to hear that down there, this brewery is brought you in is is happy to have you there and it's just constantly growing for you and tournaments are everything like killer queen is so big because of the tournaments because of the community so having that growth is fantastic so i guess um give us kind of a loop so let me jump in when it comes to the tournament and and killer queen what is what's strange is that and again this is anecdotal so you're throwing that waiver out there uh, but what I noticed is that the arcade community has not quite come out of um, quarantine yet, you know, w- which is interesting because, you know, the, the, the pinball enthusiast usually is of the older demographic. And, you know, for them, they're like, we'll just we'll mask up and go out. You know, we'll, we'll do the hand sanitizer, throw a mask on. We'll go out and have a good time, you know, with with not much concern, which is the opposite because again, with the older community, you know, as far as like COVID guidelines, you know, CDC guidelines and everything, they should be more concerned, you know? Whereas the younger community, which tends to be, you know, like the Killer Queen community um, with all the indie arcades, um, they're still somewhat in lockdown. So, uh, you know, I there's more people playing the pins than there are the arcades. And, you know, and obviously, like, I, I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of these communities, but a lot of them are still waiting until, like, yeah, I'm not coming to a Killer Queen tournament um, or happy hour in, or league night until, you know, 100% Arizona's vaccinated 
or whatever the case may be. So it was an interesting observation on the different demographics and, and how they're treating um, COVID and what has to happen before they're comfortable actually coming back out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they, as you mentioned, it's an older demographic and maybe they've just, I mean, they've seen things come and go, you know, this shoot, this yeah. too shall pass, you know, is, is kind of, it's kind of their view and a year is a long time. So like, you know, they're, they're ready. They're ready to just get out and play some pins again. Cause not all of them yeah. have them at home. Not all of them were able to rent them. Um, so run us through kind of what you guys have in your inventory. I know you guys have, I mean, you've gotten a lot of games since everything shut down and you still have games flowing in. So let us know what you've got. Yeah. So I, um, Speaking just to the arcades, um, so obviously Killer Queen, we've got Galactic Battlegrounds, we've got Cosmotrons, we have Switch and Shoot, we've got Death Ball and Sky Cursor, and then I just got a the uh, Atari Pong ca- uh, cocktail table. I don't know if you ever played that game. It's that thing really, is sweet. Yeah, I played it so like, cool. uh, yeah, it like two years ago. Yeah, at a, at a convention in, in Milwaukee, they had it like 2018. Yeah, that is that is really that one's really fun because um, again, you know, uh, yeah, we'll get back to that. So, and then I, I have a a Pac Man Battle Royale, uh, another you know four player uh, cocktail ver- uh, uh, game, and because uh, you know I I wanted to try to like because obviously you know I don't know what the formula is, but in my gut it tells me like okay, you know. Five pins won't bring out a big pinball community, um, but 10 to 15 will. But then you get to that certain point where like, okay, 20 to 30 pins is not going to get you anyone new. You know, like like the people that are into pinball, they're going to be there no matter what, because you got the most and the best, you know, and definitely when it, like I get all limited edition uh, pins. So I definitely have the best pins here in the Valley. Um, so again, so it's like, all right, well, I feel I have 10 pins now and I'm going to keep rotating them out with all the newer latest release. Um, so then how do I get a new crowd or somebody that may normally just be sitting at the bar? How do we get them to walk over into uh, to the game area? And that's when I was like, all right, let me do the Pac-Man Battle Royale because everybody knows what Pac-Man is. It's not as intimidating as the indie arcades. Um, and then the Pong one too, you know, because everybody they see the Atari logo, they see Pong and they instantly know how to play. Um, Cause I know we mentioned last time we were talking is that um, even in some of these, we, we've hosted a lot of events. Like one time we had this, um, this youth hockey league show up and there was like 60 people, you know, all these uh, kids, you know, hockey kids and, and their, their families. And they were, they didn't, know what Cosmotrons or Battlegrounds, a lot of these games, they didn't understand, especially Killer Queen, what it was. But once, you know, I make that effort, it's like, oh, let me show you what this game is. And they give them a 30 second tutorial, then they're boom, they're playing all night long and can't get enough of it. So so I wanted to mix it up to where we need like that, that gateway game, you know, the gateway drug, like a Pac-Man and Pong. And then like, oh, well, I'm already in here and already, you know, I have a stack of quarters. So what is this switch and shoot? Let's check out this, uh, you know, this, this Killer Queen or, you know, Cosmotrons. Um, and then as far as games on the way, so I just got uh, Retro Raccoons now that they are ready for uh, purchasing through their new partnership. 
And so that should be showing up mid-June. Uh, and then same thing, we're going to be doing a, I, I bought a limited edition Mandalorian pin, uh, the, the latest Cornerstone release from Stern. That's going to be showing up in June. So we're hoping to do uh, a dual launch party for uh, both of the games. So very excited for Retro Raccoons. Like you said, we've been following him, uh, him for a while. Um, I have a deal worked out with the next um, title from DSM Arcade, uh, Creators of Switch and Shoot. Although uh, they can't, I can't talk about what the game is, so that's up to them. You know, there, there's a lot of rules around that, but uh, but very yeah, I've been, excited. I've been poking at Dan for a while. They're like, give me a hint. He can't say anything. I'm like, just yep. just give it up. I need it. I need a little bit. Yep, it's going to be awesome. That's all I can say. It is going to be awesome. I am excited, and I can't wait to get it. It is going to, it's going to do really good on location. Um, and then also same thing with Griffin Aerotech. I've got a uh, deal worked out with them to get um, one of the first runs of Enter the Gungeon, House of the Gun Dead. So timeline for that one, hopefully August. I know he said late summer, so I'm hoping maybe late June, early August, but you know, as you know, you know, when you're part of the indie community and you don't have a, a juggernaut manufacturing line like Roth Rills, you know, timetables are, uh, you know, very negotiable. They're flexible. They're yeah, very yeah. flexible. Um, yeah, I, I totally feel you on that. And that's that's an awesome bunch of games. And you've got more coming in. I, I love um, Switch and Shoot. I've actually wasn't a huge fan of it when I first played it. And then I talked to the creator, Matt Glanville, um, interviewed him on the channel and he sent me a key. And I think I've, I've probably put like 20 hours into that game. And it, it's such a simple one player game. And yeah. then uh, obviously enter the gungeon. I'm, I'm super excited about that one. Um, been following that for, I mean, they, they announced that in like 2019 yeah. and they're just starting to get it moving again. Um, if you haven't played Enter the Gungeon, you need to go get that on Steam. It's super fun. It's on Xbox too, I believe. Yeah, um, it's on all the all of them. Yeah, I have yeah. played on PlayStation. Gotcha. Yeah, so check that out if you haven't. Um, so we've talked about kind of everything you're doing, all the games you have, the pins you have. I guess I I don't think I ever really asked you about your gaming history. Like, when did you get into it? What were some of your earliest memories? And like, what was it that kept you going um through all the different generations of games you know it's funny you mention that because my kids are bored with like like you know when i saw so i'm 38 i was born in 83 like back in those days your parents may or may not even give you money but they would drop you off at the arcade like that was the daycare of its time you know like just right, go hang out look at the yeah. flashing lights we'll give you a couple bucks yeah, here's five bucks. I have to go work my shift. Please be here and alive <laughs> in 10 hours, you know, when I come back. And by the way, like, you know, you know, there's no phones, there's, you know, you have no idea what even time it is. Um, but so just like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, here in this building with all these games and until my parents show up to collect me. So, um, so that was, you know, I, I grew up in that, 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 that generation and then also you know my, my dad he was really big not into video games but like very old school so he had the the, the Betrix, he had the ColecoVision the Atari and so we had all those games growing up um and then obviously you know once the Nintendo came out you know it was game over I mean that's that's that was it for me um I did get a my first 
introduction to pinball was a very this this guy just wanted to get rid of it out of his garage and so it was a it was genie so an old old 70s um you know electro em pinball machine and but i didn't know what to do i mean i was a kid i was like i think my dad helped me move into the backyard but i must have been eight so i had no idea how to maintain it and it just sat in our patio until the you know the elements of time and nature it took it over but uh but i so i'd always i'd loved arcades my dad you know again we so we had a pin and, and star castle um stand-up arcade in our backyard um and then obviously always just going to the arcades but then you know throughout the majority of my youth you know then went into obviously console gaming and pc gaming and then it wasn't until you know the the whole arcade scene started make, making a comeback but even still you know there was always the, the dave and busters out here there was gameworks you know like a lot of the redemption games you know those really never really did it for me yeah you know? the fecs yeah 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 eloquently said yeah so and then it wasn't until like again like the whole retro arcade started to make come like okay cool like you know now let's get rid of the big you know silly you know alien shooter whatever rothfields has to offer and now there's a star castle a lunar lantern the old school mortal Kombat, and then that was when i was like start getting back into it and then i attended so i was already starting getting back into the scene uh, you know, playing Killer Queen at Grid and whatnot. And then I attended Zapcom, uh, which is a huge uh, pinball convention out here in uh, in Arizona. Is that one in Phoenix? No, that's so that's the Game On Expo. So there was two that's big okay. ones. The Game On Expo in Phoenix, and then there was Zapcom, which was in uh, Mesa. And then it just, when I walked in, it just, there was all the arcade games, tons of pins. And it was just like, that feeling, I was like, oh my God, like, I remember all this. This is amazing. There's not, you know, one ticket redemption game here. Um, and then, and again, I was actually, the grid had lent Zapcom their Killer Queen cabinets for, uh, or no, it was bonus round. That's right. It was bonus round that there was for a Killer Queen tournament that I was able to jump in on. So that was what really kickstarted it. And then it was like, all right, now I'm going back and forth to the grid uh, doing that drive. You know, and again, I love the grid. Nothing, nothing wrong about them. Just where I live, <laughs> you guys are too far for me. So I'm sorry. I had to go start my own arcade. Um, and then, and and there, what took me so long to get to the point where I'm going to turn this into my own business? I was always thinking about this. Um, was where I ended up actually getting deployed for the army. So that literally put the kibosh on my plans for an entire year because I had to wait till I got back. And I was like, okay, what was I doing? Oh yeah, I was I was trying to get some killer green cabinets for me and my buds. And, and start an arcade business. So, yeah, I mean it, it's it's nice that you you're finally able to do it, and you've got it going, and there's starting to be some momentum again. Um, yeah, I mean that's kind of everything that I I wanted to talk to you about. I really just wanted to get you back on here and update everybody as to what's going on with Danger Zone and hear what's going on on your side. Um, so I guess all that's left is just throw out your social medias so people can check you guys out. Um, and anybody in your area definitely needs to go check the spot out so you can play all these games that I don't think really anywhere else in Arizona has anything but killer queen, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, I think, well, and right now I think I'm the only, no, I take that back. There's one other location. Um, it's not an, it's not a 
Barcade, but th there's one other location in downtown Tempe over by ASU that has Killer Queen cabinets. I think it's fairly new and just recently opened. Um, but as far as majority of not only the limited edition pins I have, um, but yeah, like you said, you know, Death Balls, Battlegrounds, Cosmotrons, and even that Pong cabinet. I'm definitely the only one that has that. So I have the most unique lineup, that's for sure. And and if and if if someone else has it, I at least have the better version of it. So I try to I try to compete with that, and that's my niche. Um, but yeah, so you can look us up uh, on Facebook. It's Danger Zone Arcade. Instagram, Danger Zone Bar. Website, you know, www.dangerzonearcade.com. And I think that's it. Yeah. And, oh, and you can also follow um, Uncle Bear's Brewery uh tap room and yard on uh, facebook as well awesome well i'm gonna throw all those links down in the description so you guys can check them out uh jordan thank you for coming back on and talking about danger zone and everything you guys have going on if you guys like what we're doing here at india arcade wave don't forget to like share and subscribe uh it really helps the channel grow as well as we did launch our patreon which helps us just improve the quality of our videos and our streams um so i guess that wraps everything up and until next time, peace. Thank you.